Section 8 of Some Famous Women by Louise Creighton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 6 Elizabeth Fry. In and round Norwich have gathered for a long time many of the chief families belonging to the Society of Friends, the religious body whose members are commonly called Quakers. It was founded by an earnest Christian preacher in the seventeenth century who taught men to lead a true and simple Christian life, to have nothing to do with what he considered vain pleasures, such as music and dancing, to dress very simply, to worship in silence without any set prayers or any ordained minister, waiting for the spirit to move one of the members to pray or address the meeting. The Gurneys were one of the chief families belonging to the Society of Friends, and John Gurney, who lived at Earlham, a nice country place near Norwich, was the father of seven daughters and four sons. The third of these daughters, Elizabeth, was born in 1780, and when she was only twelve years old her mother died, leaving Catherine, the eldest child, who was not quite seventeen, to take her place as well as she could. The Gurneys were a very happy, lively family. They did not follow the Quaker rules strictly. They rode about the country on their ponies, dressed in scarlet habits, and loved dancing and singing and gaiety of all kinds. But they were carefully educated and brought up to take a deep interest in religion. Elizabeth was delicate and could not study much. Neither did she often go to meeting, as the friends call their religious gathering, partly because she was not strong and partly because it bored her. One day when she was eighteen she had gone to meeting wearing some very smart boots, which pleased her very much. They were purple, laced with scarlet. She was restless and sat and looked at her boots. But presently a stranger began to preach, a visitor from America. She was forced to listen and was so moved with what she heard that she began to weep. This was the beginning of a great change in her. She awoke to the reality of religion and began to feel that she must become what was called a plain friend one who followed the rules of the society in every particular. But first she wished to know more of the world, and with her father's consent she paid a visit to London, where she shared in a great deal of gaiety. Still her determination to give it all up only grew stronger. Her sisters, though they dearly loved her, did not share her ideas, and grieved when she would not join their amusements. She found some satisfaction in teaching poor children in Norwich, for whom there were no schools in those days. At last, many of her difficulties were settled by her marriage, when she was twenty, with Mr. Joseph Fry, who was also a plain friend. His family were so strict that amongst her new relations, Elizabeth found herself the gay one of the family, instead of the strict one, as she had been in her own home. The Frys lived in London, in the city, as businessmen then did, Later they lived also at Plaskett House in Essex, then a beautiful country place, but now covered by the crowded populations of East Ham. They had a large family, eleven children in all, and Mrs. Fry was devoted to her husband and her children, but from the first she did not feel that on that account she must give up all work for others. She visited the poor and helped the suffering wherever she could, she was naturally timid and unwilling to put herself forward. Amongst friends, 
it is the constant habit to trust to the guidance of the holy spirit to show both what should be done and to gain strength to do it as a young woman mrs fry had felt shy even at reading the bible at family prayers in her own house as she grew older she began to feel that it might be her duty to speak at the friends meetings she seemed at last to be driven by the holy spirit to do so and though frightened beforehand when once she had begun all was easy the meeting which she attended was pleased with her speaking and chose her for one of their regular ministers this was when she was thirty-one and already the mother of seven children after this she was a frequent speaker at friends meetings all over the country the friends as a body were always anxious to help suffering and misery of every kind some gentlemen well known to mrs fry having learnt of the miserable condition of the women in newgate then one of the chief prisons in london asked her to visit them one winter to see if she could not do something to improve their condition it was a terrible scene that mrs fry found when alone with one other lady she entered newgate prison in january eighteen thirteen in four rooms were crowded nearly three hundred women and with them many children those who had been tried and those who had not yet been tried were all herded together whether guilty of grave or trifling crimes there was no woman to take care of them day and night they were under the charge of one man and his son they had no employment of any kind they had no clothing but what they had on when they came in rags and dirt they slept on the filthy floor without any bedding and they cooked lived and slept in the same rooms when strangers visited them as seems to have been allowed they all started begging and when they were given any money they at once bought drink which could be got in the prison their language and their conduct were alike terrible and the governor of the prison himself feared to go amongst them he begged mrs fry and her companion to remove the watches which hung at their sides lest they should be snatched from them by the women but they paid no heed to his warning the two ladies brought with them a supply of warm garments which they distributed amongst the wretched prisoners and before leaving each said a few words of prayer which moved some of their listeners to tears mrs fry did not forget what she had seen at newgate but it was four years before she was able to do anything more for the prisoners she was much taken up with family matters and she was often ill she had her own large family and besides her many brothers and sisters most of them with families of their own who all wished her to share their joys and troubles she was devoted in her care of her children nursed them when they were ill and was so gentle and loving in her ways that all little children loved her but the cares of a large household were burdensome to her and she was glad to give over the management of the house to her daughters as they grew old enough at christmas eighteen sixteen she again visited newgate and this time she asked to be left alone with the women for some hours she read to them out of the bible and explained what she had read the children of the wretched women half naked and pining for want of proper food and exercise especially called forth her pity she spoke to the mothers about the terrible dangers of their growing up in such a place and said that if they were willing to help she would get permission to start a school for the children the mothers agreed with tears of joy the governor of the prison had not much hope that anything would come of the experiment 
but he agreed to allow an empty cell to be used as a school a teacher was found amongst the prisoners a young woman mary connor who was in prison for stealing a watch next day the school was opened and so many wished to learn that room could not be found for all in the cell for fifteen months mary connor taught the prison school with much devotion then she was given a free pardon but died of consumption shortly afterwards mrs fry and a little group of ladies whom she interested in the work helped her constantly one of these described her first visit to the prison by saying that she felt as if she were going into a den of wild beasts the half-naked women begging at the top of their voices struggled together to get to the front of the railing which divided the room the ladies as they passed through to the school were horrified at the conduct of these poor women who spent their time in gaming betting swearing fighting singing and dancing at first it seemed as if the only thing that could be done would be to choose out the least vicious and to try by keeping them apart to bring them to a better life no one thought it possible to do anything for the most degraded but mrs fry as she talked with them and got to know them could not give up hope of being able in some way to be of use to all she wanted at least to teach them some sort of work but the officers of the prison assured her that they would only destroy or steal any materials she might give them still she was determined to find a way and a few weeks later she wrote a way has very remarkably been opened for us beyond all expectations to bring into order the poor prisoners she was able to form a small association of ladies for the improvement of the female prisoners at newgate and the city magistrates gave her permission to introduce order and work into the prison if it could be done she and her fellow workers made their plans and drew up a set of rules for the life of those prisoners who had been tried they then gathered the women together told them what they intended to do for them and read the rules one by one to them asking whether they would keep them all held up their hands in sign of approval after each rule was read and in the same way they chose monitors amongst themselves to see that the rules were kept each day before work was begun one of the ladies read the bible and prayed with the women all went on so smoothly and well that every one was amazed after six months the untried prisoners begged that they too might have work provided for them which was done by degrees in spite of her desire to keep it quiet people all over the country began to hear of the work that mrs fry was doing at newgate and wrote to ask her advice to help them to improve the condition of other prisons the house of commons was led to take interest in the state of the prisons and invited mrs fry to tell what she knew about them to a committee chosen to look into the matter it was not only the bad condition of the prisons that troubled her but the nature of the law which then punished with death not only as at present the crime of murder but also forgery and various kinds of stealing mrs fry saw many women condemned to death and was especially troubled by the case of one young woman who had passed some forged notes at the request of the man she loved she tried in vain to obtain her pardon and her fate determined her not to rest until the law were changed in those days persons guilty of serious crime who were not condemned to death were sent as convicts to some of the distant colonies they were taken to the docks through the streets in open wagons shouting to the crowd as they passed and behaving with the utmost disorder this too mrs fry set herself to change 
she asked that the women might be taken in covered carriages and promised them that if they would behave quietly she and some of the ladies would come to see them off her own carriage followed the long line of coaches which took the women one hundred and twenty-eight in number with their children to the docks when she reached the ship she was dismayed at the miserable arrangements made for the convicts who were herded together with no one to care for them and nothing to do she succeeded in dividing them into classes of twelve with a monitor to keep order over each and found a corner of the ship where a school could be arranged for the children with one of the convicts as teacher to get occupation for the women she collected great quantities of scraps of cloth of all kinds and set them to make patchwork quilts which she heard would easily be sold in the colonies in this way they were able to earn a little money to help them when they came to settle in the new land she gave bibles and prayer books to the monitors for the use of their classes and made arrangements for those who wished to learn to read when the day came for the ship to sail mrs fry was there to say a last good-bye she stood at the door of the cabin with her friends and the captain the women were gathered in front of her many of the sailors had climbed into the rigging so as to see better what was going on even the crews in neighbouring ships leant over the sides to watch mrs fry opened her bible and amidst profound silence read some verses in her beautiful clear voice then she paused for a moment knelt down on the deck and prayed for god's blessing whilst many of the women wept after this a boat carried her to the shore and the women strained their eyes to see her as long as possible mrs fry's work at newgate was talked about everywhere people of all kinds bishops ministers of religion great nobles and smart ladies even members of the royal family came to newgate to hear mrs fry teach and pray with the prisoners it became a fashionable amusement but the solemn scene could not fail to affect even the most frivolous as they listened to mrs fry's winning voice with its beautiful silvery tones they forgot to think of the prisoners and thought only of the way in which the words she had spoken touched their own lives the silence that followed used to be broken by sobs from prisoners and visitors alike mrs fry gave her mind not only to teaching the prisoners and trying to lessen their sufferings but to studying the whole question of prison reform she wished to see things so changed that prisons might become places where criminals should not only be punished but helped to become better she travelled all over the country sometimes with her husband sometimes with her brothers who were also zealous workers in prison reform visiting the different prisons journeys were sometimes undertaken also to visit friends meetings and speak to them but wherever she went she always tried to inspect the prison to form ladies committees to visit the prisons and to persuade the authorities to improve their arrangements she tried to be of use to other people also there was a great deal of smuggling in those days and there had to be many stations of coast guards to watch for smugglers mrs fry was sorry for the dull and lonely lives lived by many of these men and with the help of her friends provided for their use libraries of books at all the coast guard stations she went to ireland also to visit the prisons with her brother who was deeply interested in the same work and later they visited jersey whenever she was in london she paid a weekly visit to newgate 
and she sometimes visited the men as well as the women. The Prime Minister, Lord Melbourne, was full of admiration for her work and helped her to get improvements made in the care of the women and children on the convict ships. Mrs. Fry's fame had spread over Europe, and when she was already fifty-nine, with many grandchildren growing up around her, she decided to visit France and study French prisons. Wherever she went, she was received with much enthusiasm. Some of the prisons that she saw she admired very much, but in others she noticed much to criticize, and she always freely expressed her opinions. In some towns in France she was able to form committees of ladies to visit the prisons. After a second visit, she prepared a long report for the French government about the prison she had seen, and the reforms she thought desirable. Repeated requests came to her to visit new places, and she made a third journey to the continent with her brother when they got as far as Berlin. In Prussia she was treated with much honor by the king and queen and by many members of the royal family. The following year the king of Prussia came to England, and one of the things he was most anxious to do whilst in London was to be present at one of Mrs. Fry's visits to Newgate. He came to the prison accompanied by the Lord Mayor and many gentlemen. There in one of the wards Mrs. Fry and some of the ladies were gathered with about sixty of the poor women. She told them that the presence of such distinguished visitors must not be allowed to distract their attention, and she read the Bible and prayed with them as usual. The same day the king drove out to see her at her own house in the country, and she presented to him her large family, sons and daughters, with their wives and twenty-five grandchildren. She writes of the day, Our meal was handsome and fit for a king, yet not extravagant, everything most complete and nice. I sat by the king, who appeared to enjoy his dinner, perfectly at ease and very happy with us. Once more after this Mrs. Fry visited France, but she was growing feeble and tired out with her many labors. She had to suffer some months of illness, during which her daughters tended her with the greatest devotion. She wrote herself that she was much struck in her illness with the manner in which her children had been raised up as her helpers. Many sorrows came to her in her last years from the death of her relations, but suffering and sorrow did not shake her faith. She had the comfort during the last years of her life of hearing of all the improvements that were being made in the prisons to reform which she had done so much. To the last, she shared all the joys and sorrows of her children and of the other members of her large family. For about two years, she led more or less the life of an invalid and died in October 1845 at the age of 65. It has only been possible to tell a very little of all the work she did for others during the years of her busy life. But whilst she did all this public work, and influenced kings and governments in favor of reforms, and ministered herself to the needs of the sinful and the suffering, she never forgot her duties as a devoted wife and the mother of a large family of children who loved her with the deepest tenderness neither did she neglect her brothers and sisters and their children her public work though it absorbed much time and thought did not take her away from her other duties she remains an example of what a woman can do who feels the call to serve others and who does not believe that she can refuse to obey that call even though she has a family and a husband to care for End of section eight